You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. This is meant to encourage us in ministry because what would happen after this homecoming in Nazareth, he would then now for the first time send out his disciples two by two. And one of the things he said is when people don't welcome you, when people don't welcome you, here's what you do. Because you can say all the right things about Jesus. You can lay it out there. You can give all the evidence for who he is. You can talk about the miracles and his life and his teaching and, and the prophecies. You can lay it all out, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well you present it. You can be the most likable person, and yet the truth can be offensive. If you're going to follow Christ and boldly speak the truth, you can expect serious resistance, and it'll come from all sides. People you've loved and respected your entire life may turn on you. Even some who you consider spiritual heroes may not take you seriously. As Pastor Danny examines Mark's account of Jesus' return to his hometown, we'll see that even the Son of God, the great healer and teacher, experienced rejection. It wasn't an issue with him, but with the hearts of the people. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter six, as he continues his message, Faith and Honor. You are just like the people of Israel in Elijah's day. And what God wanted to do, he couldn't do, despite their religiousness and despite their synagogue attendance and all that, you know, he couldn't really do what he wanted to do because they were just caught up in this religious thing and it wasn't real biblical faith. I'm sure that went over well, huh? <laughs> but he doesn't stop there. Verse 27, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian. Naaman. Naaman, not only a Syrian, enemy of Israel. Enemy of Israel. But he's a commander in the army of Syria. And he has leprosy. And leprosy to any Jew would be like, man, you really are a pagan. Look what God did to you. You got leprosy. And you, you deserve it. <laughs> And God heals this guy. Why? Because he responds by faith to the God of Israel. And it's a different story. The successor of Elijah's ministry, Elisha, different story, but same point, same point. You're just like the people of Elisha's day. And God couldn't do for them what he wanted to do because they really didn't have biblical faith. Oh, they believed in God. Oh, they had the religious thing going. Oh, they did. They were in synagogue on some kind of a fairly regular basis, but God couldn't do for them what he wanted to do. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we go from verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, to verse 28. And you talk about a shift. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. 
They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. But it wasn't his time yet. And I love verse 30, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way because in the sovereignty of Almighty God, it's not his time to go to the cross yet. And so the Father delivers him. No, Father, deliver me a third time. Nobody even threw anything at me the first two services. <laughs> the truth can be especially offensive when it's presented by someone you're familiar with. Let me say it again. The truth can be especially offensive when it's presented by someone you are familiar with. And why would that be? Well, one of the reasons is, Jesus said, only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. Well, you know, there's something that goes deeper than just that. Uh, somebody has coined the phrase, and I don't know who did it. I don't know how long it's been going on, but, it, but it's been around for a while. It goes like this. Familiarity breeds contempt. Now, that idiom has to do with not respecting someone because you know them well enough to know their shortcomings. The idea is, who do you think you are? And they're telling you something, and it confronts you about something in your life, and because you're so familiar with them, you know their shortcomings, and so you just go, who do you think you are? I know what you've done. Well, you look what you did back there in high school. Who are you talking to me about what I'm doing in my life? You're, you're divorced. I'm at least not divorced. I may be fooling around, but I'm not, hey, I'm not divorced. Who are you? Familiarity breeds contempt. I think that's why Moses had an especially tough job uh, because of the mistakes he made. Remember when he got, was first called and he responded, and, and it, but he's trying to be the deliverer in the, in the flesh. You know the story, right? He goes out and he, and he kills the Egyptian thinking that his people would recognize God called him to be the deliverer. Yeah, but, but God's got to do the work, you, not you. You're going to mess it all up, and he did. 40 years on the backside of the desert, but even those 40 years, people had not forgotten the mistakes Moses made. And you read in Numbers chapter 12, guess who were the first people to grumble against Moses were? And, and the reason, what the re you know what it was? They didn't like his wife. You know who it was grumbling against him? His older brother Aaron and his sister Miriam. Then you get to Numbers 14, and the people grumble against Moses. And what's the, what's the grumbling? Who do you think you are? And then you get to number 16, and a whole group of Israelite leaders, his, basically his board, big board, 250. And you know what their complaint was? You know what they said? You think you're the only one that can speak. You're always doing the speaking. We got other people who can speak just as good as you can. You think you're the only one anointed. We got some anointed guys. And because of the familiarity, I think that made it even tougher for Moses. You read the story of Joseph. Remember that story? 17 years old, youngest of all his brothers, father's favorite. Now, that wasn't right for him to be the favorite, but that's just, hey, that's just human nature. He was born in, in Jacob's old age. And so he's really especially loving on Joseph. And God gives Joseph these dreams that are prophetic, that one day his whole family will bow down in obeisance to him. And he goes and, and like, a, like a dumb teenager, goes and tells his brothers, older brothers. They say, what? What are you talking? You, they already didn't like him because he's the favorite of dad. Hey, well, you, we're actually going to bow down to you? Yeah, you got another thing coming. And he did have another thing coming. They did the same thing or started to do the same thing they tried to do to Jesus. They're going to kill him. 
And then one of the, one of the brothers said, well, if we kill him, we, we're rid of him, but we don't get anything else but that. That's great. But, hey, let's get rid of him and get some money, too. So they sold him. Now, I understand stories like that. Now, I understand the human nature of familiarity breeds contempt. I understand because of the shortcomings we all have. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's go back to the story here. I understand familiarity breeds contempt. But this is Jesus. And this is Jesus. He'd done no wrong. Right? He had done no wrong. And he always told the truth. So you can't use the idiom for the reason behind the idiom. Familiarity brings con- breeds contempt. doesn't work there. So why, why are they offended at him? Because really it doesn't matter who it comes through. If, you, if you're not willing to receive it and do something about it, the truth is offensive. The truth is offensive. And I'm, I'm, I'm not talking at you. I'm saying I understand that, you know. I remember the times in my life, and I'm sure more are yet to come. Jesus come quickly when, when all of a sudden I realized the Word of God is talking about me. Not talking about somebody else, talking about me. I go, whoa. This is meant to encourage us in ministry because what would happen after this homecoming in Nazareth, he would then now for the first time send out his disciples two by two. And one of the things he said is when people don't welcome you, when people don't welcome you, here's what you do. Because you can say all the right things about Jesus. You can lay it out there. You can give all the evidence for who he is. You can talk about the miracles and his life and his teaching and, and the prophecies. You can lay it all out, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well you present it. You can be the most likable person. And yet the truth can be offensive. That's why I got another letter from a very nice person in our fellowship. And, and thank you for your honesty. And, you know, again, about the Catholics and the Catholic Church and the, and the doctrine of the Catholic Church and the times I've mentioned that and people get offended at that and people that are married to Catholics get offended because they want to bring their Catholic husband or Catholic wife, but they happen to bring them on at a time when all of a sudden I'm talking about Catholic doctrine. And they go, well, we came on the wrong Sunday. And the last nice letter from somebody, a lady in our congregation, and she said, you know, I know I, I agree with what you said, but it's the way you said it. And I understand I'm human. I, but listen, I get emotional about those kind of things because false doctrine, especially the kind of false doctrine, some of this in the Catholic Church is leading people to hell. I get emotional about that. I get angry about that. But listen, sometimes it doesn't matter how well you present it. It doesn't matter who you are. They can like you or not like you, but the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. And and I'm not saying that to the Catholic Church. I'm just saying across the board. This is Jesus who's never done anything wrong. And in his hometown. And they were offended and so offended they tried to kill him. Tried to kill him. I thank God that's never happened to me yet. And I pray it doesn't. You'd have to take me downtown because there are no hills around here. <laughs> now, if we're going to get, listen, oh, Lord, I pray we get out of this what you want us to get out of it. Here's what happened in this homecoming. Here's what happened to these people of Nazareth. Here's what happened. They allowed their familiarity with Jesus to keep them from honoring him, and that prevented them from putting their faith in him. I want you to think about that for a minute. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it again. They allowed their familiarity with Jesus to keep them from honoring him, and that prevented them from putting their faith in him. As I studied and looked at the passage and read it 
more times than I can count, as I always do, um, I circle two words back in Mark chapter 6. Um, verse 4, only in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And I circled that after reading it and looking at it several times and having some notes. And, and then I circled another word. And he was amazed, verse 6, at their lack of faith. And I circled that. I circled honor and faith because I realized how connected they are. So again, they allowed their familiarity with Jesus to keep them from honoring him, and that prevented them from putting their faith in him. And biblical faith has always action involved with it. I'm getting ahead of myself. But as you think about that, that statement, think about this. They allowed their familiarity with Jesus to keep them from putting their faith in him, and that prevented them from honoring him. Now I know you're going, you're trying to trick me, aren't you? No. I just wanted you to see the connection of the two. You can put it either way you want. And you can't have one without the other. You can't have biblical faith without honor, and you can't have honor without biblical faith. No matter what you say, no matter the bumper sticker on your car, no matter the cross around your neck, no matter the religious stuff, it doesn't matter. You can't have one without the other. So I believe in God, but I I don't believe in that. It doesn't work that way. I believe that, but, you know, I don't have faith in that. No, wait a minute. They're connected. You can't separate them. Their lack of faith in Jesus and failure to honor Jesus prevented him from doing for them what he wanted to do. Now, let me pause again and really let's think deeply about this. I can appreciate, I try to appreciate, I try to appreciate what it was like to be growing up in Nazareth with Jesus. I try hard as I can to wonder what would it be like to be one of his siblings. It would be his brother or sister growing up in the same house. And he's your older brother. And there's two ways to look at it. One is, man, what a great brother or sister to have. And the other is, what a terrible brother to have. He never did anything wrong. But just try to imagine now. And I tried to think of an illustration to, to put this in, you know, in our day and relate to. And here's what it would be like. One of the things it would be like is if he was your brother uh, or you're his sister. It's like one of your, it's like him going off to college and coming back and he pulls you aside and he says, sis, bro, I've been able to keep it quiet up till now, but I have a higher calling and I'm going to have to go public. You need to understand. You need to know I'm Superman. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. That's a crazy illustration, but you think about it. Here he comes. He reads Isaiah, and he sits down, and he says, Today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the Messiah. I think some people read stories like this. I think some people hear stories like this, and I may be one of them at times. You know, uh, whenever I read about the life of David and I read David and Goliath, I'm always David. I'm never like, I'm going to be Goliath today. (laughs) And sometimes you read this and you go, man, if I had grown up with Jesus, I would have recognized who he was and I would have honored him and I would have put my faith in him. Really? Well, let's test that. There are people that have grown up with Jesus probably right here in the service. You've grown up with him. What do you mean I've grown up with him? He lived in your mom, in your dad, in your grandmother, in your grandmother, grandfather, maybe a brother or sister, maybe somebody you went to school with, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, whoever. You've grown up with him. 
So I've never really thought about it like that. Well, you should think about it like that. You've grown up with him. He's been around you. For some of us, all of our life. He's, he, you've grown up in a household and Jesus is there because he lives in your parent or in somebody in that house. To honor is to give high respect, to treat with deference and submission. It's adherence to what is right because you honor whatever, whoever it is you're honoring. Let me tell you what faith is. Based on James 2.17, very clear, faith without action is dead. In other words, that's not biblical faith. That's just, that's just belief. Oh, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Well, great. The demons believe in God. The demons believe in Jesus. Biblical faith is I believe, and here, now I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how it's biblical because you're going to see it by what I do. That's what James says. So it doesn't matter. You wear the cross around your neck. I'm not saying the cross has no meaning, but the cross means nothing if the cross around your neck, if your life is not reflecting what that cross means. It means nothing. Put all the bumper stickers on your car. Come to church. Be a blue ribbon church attender. But that means nothing if your life doesn't match what you claim. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And I, I, I can relate to that. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to put myself on some self-righteous pedestal. I'm just like you in the sense of I'm human, I'm weak, I'm, I'm imperfect. But, but we're talking about honor and we're talking about faith. And I'm amazed that some people, all they know about Jesus, and yet they don't honor Jesus. They really don't have faith. Not biblical faith. Let me give you some examples and I'm almost done. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it doesn't matter what you say, it's what you do. In Malachi's day, verse 16 of chapter 1, the prophet Malachi spoke for the Lord, and he said to the people of Israel, um, on behalf of the Lord, speaking as the Lord, try offering what you're offering to me to your governor and see if he would accept it. That's what he says, verse 16. What were they doing? They were offering to the Lord, but it wasn't their best. And they were given more to the government than they were to the king. And God confronted him through the prophet. So try offering that, what you offer to me. Try offering that to your governor and see if he'd accept it. If I'm a king, if I'm a true king, he said, where's the respect due me? Where's the honor due me? Now you think about that and think about this verse. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. I believe that's the tithe, but this is not a message on tithing. But I believe in the tithe, 10% of whatever income God grants you. And every 10% ought to represent the whole, and you give that to the Lord through the church. I believe that. I believe that. I teach that. I believe it's biblical. And you wonder, some people are giving more to the government than they're giving to the Lord. Something wrong with that. Some wrong if we're honoring anybody or anything, spending more on ourselves, you know, without honoring the Lord. So, hey, really, you, you want to know if you're honoring the Lord with the checkbook, look at it. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. Flee from sexual immorality. Don't you know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. 
Absolute shame, all the sexual sin going on in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about our church. You don't know how many times we deal with this. And that's the stuff that's out in the open. How much stuff is behind closed doors? We don't know. But it scares me to even think about it. Because where we live in a day, where we have people, you know, sign a thing and give it to the pastoral. It comes to the pastoral staff and they want to get married. And, you, and you, you look at it and you go, first thing we look at now, at least I look at it, is do they have the same address? And then they come and say, well, you don't understand. We're not sleeping together. I'm like, you're a better man than me. <laughs> we need a revival in the church in regard to purity. And it's a shame that I have to say marriage should be honored by all. What kind of marriage? Between a man and a woman. No other marriage is holy. Don't remove the ancient boundary stone. God will not remove that one. Unfortunately, we're moving in a culture away from that. Even segments of the church are saying, you don't understand, they were born that way, and they love each other. That's, that's heresy. Yes, we ought to love them. Yes, oh, God help us to love them. But that, mm-mm, mm-mm. We're not moving that boundary stone. Holy matrimony between a man and a woman. Honor your father and mother. You're still at home. You're still under your parents' authority. Colossians 3, obey your parents. And if you're not obeying your parents, you're not in, you're not, you say, oh, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> Biblical faith is doing, doing. Obey your parents and honor the Lord. Give everyone what you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. To the king, to the president, I don't care. Well, I care who gets elected, but my gosh, the choices. <laughs> what are the choices? No choices. Oh, God, help us. But whoever gets elected, whoever gets elected, you, they, they, they get our honor if we're walking in faith. We honor them. We pray for them. We respect them. No matter who it is. You know who was ruling when this was written? Nero. We're headed toward Nero, aren't we? God, wait, man. <laughs> got to move on. I got to close this thing out. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Obey your leaders. Now it comes to the church leadership. Obey your leaders. Submit to their authority. Why? Because we're looking to lord it over people's lives? Not if, we're, not if we're really spiritual and doing what the Lord wants us to do. Because they watch out for your soul. I really felt when I put the message together, the Lord wanted me to give a formal invitation and get people to, okay, you're not honoring the Lord in an area in life, and the Lord's convicted you, let's make a public confession. Or you, you believe in the Lord, but you've never believed in the, to the point of saving faith, and you need to be born again, and would you repent and give your life to Christ? And I felt like the Lord wanted me to give a formal invitation. And sometimes every service is unique and different in, in that sense, and sometimes I will and sometimes I won't, depending on the service. But in every service, including this, when I get to this point, and, I, and it's not because of time. I know what time it is. It's not because of time, but I just don't feel led to give a formal invitation. Because you know what would happen? I think if I said, okay, you know, the Lord's spoken to you, and you want to respond and make a step of faith, and just come and let me pray for you, and I, I'd probably have a whole bunch of people down here. And that's good. That's good. Because you're saying the Lord's convicted me and I want to leave here different than when I came. But I don't feel led to do that. That would be okay. Not wrong to do that. Because what really counts, what really counts is not coming down here. It's what you do when you go out there.
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.